What is going on, everybody? This is Carlos, the CEO of GAR Capital. Welcome again to the GAR Capital official podcast. I am your host, Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GAR Capital. First, I want to talk and say I apologize for making this way too long of a time in between podcasts. I have to find some subjects to talk about. That's the problem. Obviously, with our YouTube channel coming along, other businesses coming along, I have neglected you, the faithful listener. For that, I apologize. More content is coming. I love doing this podcast, and I've gotten great feedback from everybody. So again, thank you so much for being patient with us and the team, and especially with me, your host. I'm not getting more content as we go. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, let's talk about the markets, right? I mean, first of all, I'm going to admit something that most people don't. I was wrong. I was wrong about the market. I said, and if you heard the last podcast, I was expecting a February swoon. I thought that, oh, you know, with December, the December lows hitting, we actually rose in January, brand new year. I thought, oh, that sell-off will come in February. Well, it's March 17th and no sell-off. We're tapping, about to tap new highs and the S&P. Well, we're about 140 handles off, but still, look where we were before, guys. If you want to take a look at an SPX chart, you see a V-shaped recovery. So let's talk about, A, why I was wrong, where I was wrong, and what do we do from here? So again, if you want to go ahead and beat me over the head with a pillow, by all means, I get it. I'm not a fortune teller, but again, educated guesser, obviously. So let's talk about why the things are moving the way they are. Let's talk about the fundamental reasons why the market is moving up. So the first thing I want to talk about, number one, first and foremost, of course, is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve now is definitely stock market driven. I don't care what anyone says. They are stock market driven. They want the stock market to go up. And they definitely don't want to be blamed for it. So let me just go ahead and give you a piece of, piece of information here when it comes to the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has never in their existence predicted a recession. Actually, they've been late to the party many times in calling a recession. If you do know, back in 2008, Henry Paulson, who was the Treasury Secretary, and Ben Bernanke, who was the Fed Chair at the time, did not once mention the word recession until it was almost too late, until the writing was on the wall. So again, don't expect them to give you the leading indicator of a recession. They may use some tools ahead of time to prevent it. In my opinion, they just exacerbate it. So again, let's kind of break down what the Federal Reserve really does. The Federal Reserve really does just, they just uh, handle monetary policy. Let's be real. They either raise interest rates or lower interest rates. Raising interest rates, they reduce the money supply. Lowering interest rates, they increase the money supply or add liquidity or give banks a way to borrow money very cheaply. Excellent. That's good to know, right? Well, we know now that federal chair, um, the the chair reserve, uh, federal (laughs) reserve chairman has actually raised rates back late last year and the market fell. So again, now we're at pause now. Now the Fed is backtracking from that saying that there is not going to be rate hikes. How about this? There's actually bets or, you know, uh, expectations from Goldman and JP Morgan that they're actually going to be rate cuts. So again, this is something that's very interesting. If we are now currently, if you listen to uh, the president and the Republican Party, again, this is not a political comment. This is an actual fact that we're the greatest economy right now, greatest economic growth in the history of the United States, which technically isn't true. But again, we have a great economy. Yes. Record unemployment. Yes. Wages are up. Yes. So in a sense, these are, all in, these are all inflationary pressures, but inflation is not around. 
So again, we still have relatively low interest rates, historically speaking, very low. I think we're about a 225 on the Fed funds rate, which is very, very low. Uh, keep in mind, back before the recession, we were right around four and a quarter, four and a half. So almost double where we are now. So again, we're still getting back to where we were. But again, inflation is relatively tame. And that's the one thing the Federal Reserve looks at is inflation. But again, inflation is very tame. How do you look at inflation? PPI, CPI. CPI is consumer price index, our prices rising. And producer price index, our prices falling. Our prices rising and falling in the producer side. So again, keep in mind how things move and what the Federal Reserve looks at. So again, inflation is very tame. Markets are up. Asset prices are up. But again, you're still looking at bond yields, which is something I've spoken about on our YouTube channel. If you want to take a look at it, GAR Capital on YouTube, I talk about bonds. I talk about how bonds are very, very important in regards to the market. So again, the, the benchmark we look at is a 10-year Federal Reserve, I mean, excuse me, 10-year U.S. Treasury bond. Again, that's how we base mortgages and all types of loans. include Well, prime rate, usually for credit cards and consumer debt, but mortgages are the 10-year note. So again, if you see yields falling, Again, that's a sign that people are buying bonds. Price and yield move inversely when it comes to bonds. So keep that in mind. So again, the Fed is definitely they're playing the flute ahead of time, showing everybody, hey, you know, we're going to pause. We're not going to ruin the stock market. And the stock market is not the economy. I've said this before. It's not. I mean, it's just prices from the basic principle. It's just prices of companies. But again, the stock market is probably the barometer of most people in regards to wealth in America or the economy. So again, a strong stock market boosts confidence across the board for most individuals. Spending goes up, people feel more confident. When things fall in the market and we have a tank job, again, most people are gonna be a little more worried, they're not gonna spend as much, maybe they're not gonna take that vacation. So again, do I feel that the Federal Reserve is doing the right thing? You know, in an academic sense, no, because I think that they shouldn't be beholden to the stock market or political pressures from the president because he's tweeted many times that the markets, uh, you know, that the Federal Reserve shouldn't be rating, uh, raising rates and they have raised it under this president. But again, it had to. I mean, you have to kind of stabilize. So the academic in me says they should rate hike because if they raise rates, it gives them more ammo in their gun. When things go downhill, they can always cut. The market side of me, the buy side front side of me, the firm head, wants rate, low rates forever because companies can borrow very cheaply, consumers can borrow very cheaply, and it keeps the engine of the economy going. So again, we want stocks to go up forever. Do they go up forever? Absolutely not. But you know, want the good times rolling, right? So again, you have two sides of this debate. Economically, I don't agree with it, but again, as a buy side, uh, you know, head, head of a firm in trading, absolutely, I want the rates to be low forever. Don't we all? So again, we could also look at different factors. So again, we're going to move on from the Fed. That's the first thing. So the Fed is definitely behind the stock market. Definitely. We have a president. Number two, the president, Donald Trump. President Donald Trump is definitely behind the stock market. He's definitely pushing it. If you, want to, if you don't believe it, take a look at the tweets he talks about. He's actually tweeted about unemployment numbers. He's tweeted about the stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. He's talked about almost everything economically, probably the most economically sensitive president I've ever seen. And I've researched presidents before. I was a history minor in college and presidential history was actually one of my favorite subjects. So again, to see this is almost unprecedented. Uh, most presidents do not talk about the stock market because they don't have control over it. That's Republican and Democrat for the most part. But this president has definitely taken the reins, has taken ownership of this bull market. And by all means, he's doing a great job at it. So 
That's still a great sign that he is back this economy. He's back this bull run. He's put his name on it. And uh, I would say that he's going to see to it that he's going to keep continuing up because for him, it's a report card. It's his barometer. It's his way of showing that he's a great leader, that he's doing the things that he needs to do to prop this economy up and to keep people employed and keep the economic engine turning. Uh, James Carville said it best, who was a campaign, uh, man, not was the campaign manager, but a campaign consultant for Bill Clinton. And he said it famously, it's the economy, stupid. So usually I always say this. When the economy's good, then people talk about other issues in politics. When the economy's bad, nobody cares about other uh, issues in, in politics. It's all about the economy. I just didn't say it's the economy stupid, but it's very important. Number three, we have always said this before, the China trade war. What's going to happen? Well, we just got some news. I retweeted it on Twitter. Take a look at it, at GAR Capital. Looks like the China trade meeting between President Xi and Donald Trump, the president, is actually going to be pushed to June. We had a March 1 deadline that was extended or actually removed for tariffs. No more tariffs, right? Great. That's a good sign. But the president and his cabinet and his associates have been pushing and pushing and pushing more information out on Twitter and on the, uh, uh, on the business news channels saying that we're close to a deal, we're getting a deal done, everything, everything, everything. This is probably the only part that makes me nervous. I think the, the more anticipation we get for this trade deal, the more it pushes, the more we get, it's going to be a sell the news event because it's not going to be perfect. Remember, in negotiation, you, one side doesn't always get what they want. And I don't see the United States in a place of leverage. Remember, President Xi is not exactly democratically elected. They're a communist party. So no matter what the hell happens in that economy, which is falling, by the way, and it is hurting, this, this trade war is hurting. Definitely China. It's hurting them more than it is us, absolutely. So the United States has leverage, but the Chinese really don't care because they're gonna do what they want anyways. But again, they know that they need to get this done. And trust me, the president is not dumb. He's definitely looking into what he can do to squeeze as much as he can out of this, out of this orange, as much juice out of it. So again, it could be the point where we don't get exactly, we don't get everything we want. We may get a majority of what we want, but the main thing, and I've said this before in previous podcasts, it's intellectual property rights. Guys, it's so, so key. The United States wants the Chinese to stop taking American ideas and patents and information without giving royalties or without or just blatant stealing. Let's be honest here. Intellectual property rights are very, very important. And they want the Chinese to enforce it. The Chinese are very hesitant to allow a foreign power to dictate them how to legislate or even uh, even enforce their laws it's like saying the chinese to tell us how to manage the sec that's not gonna work i mean it's gonna be a very delicate situation the chinese can buy as many soybeans as they want but again intellectual property rights are the most important thing that's gonna be the hardest thing to negotiate now again you have kudlow you have the ambassador to china you have the united states uh a, a presidential cabinet working the president mr art of the deal himself who wrote the book art of the deal Again, it's very important that we get that locked down. I don't think the Chinese are going to crack right away, but again, it could be something that's worked on. Again, we have until June. I may think that, I do think it's going to be a sell the news event where it's going to be built up where they not have exactly what we want and there'll be a slight sell-off after it. Again, I am still bearish for 2019. I believe our target was about 2,600 in the S&P. We broke above that. I'd have to check back. Uh, but again, for the most part, it's still the first quarter. So that's the, that's the third thing. The fourth thing I want to take a look here in this, in this uh, stock market boom. Again, buybacks, guys. Buybacks. This is what's propping the market. 
So companies are still buying back stock. And again, they can borrow cheaply to do so. This is financial engineering, guys. Plain and simple. What companies can do, they can borrow money cheaply. They can borrow money from the bond market. Again, government bonds are very cheap. What, 2.6, 2.55 on a 10-year? You have bond, uh, uh, German boons, what they call them boons in Germany, 10 years, negative interest rates, near zero, if anything, paying negative yields. Japan, 10-year Japanese government bonds, paying negative. So again, if you're a foreign investor, where do you want to put your money? You want to make some money. You can only put so much in the bank. Again, what are you going to do? You could probably buy government treasuries or you're going to buy corporate debt. Corporate debt right now, guys, is at an all-time high. So again, companies are borrowing more and more and more. And we know for a fact they're not putting it into innovative things. If that's the case, Apple would have new products all the time. They don't. We've seen innovations not exactly going up. So what are we noticing? Are they expanding headcount? No, they're not going to do that either. Maybe there's some hiring. But again, not enough, as you can see, because wage pressures are up. Again, there's not enough people to fill these jobs up. So that's another tick on inflation to the upside. But we've noticed that buybacks are up. A lot of these companies are buying back their stock to prop up their shares. Guys, financial engineering is basic as this. This has changed since the 1980s. If you're a CEO of, the com of a company, there's two mental wars, two plans of action or two sides to this coin. You have one side where your company is here to help your workers and do a good job and to provide excellent products. You know, that's the main thing of a company is to grow that way. And then the other side is maximize value for shareholders. The shareholders are the key. They're the ones that give you the money to run the business. So again, it's two sides of the coin. Are you more of a, hey, I want to do a good job. I want to make sure my, my workers are happy. I want to make sure we try to maximize our dollars and profits or maximize value to shareholders by buyback stock. So again, let's say if you made $100 million in a quarter, again, most companies, what they do is they'll take that money and profit. They'll not invest into the company and for growth or anything like that. What they do is they'll just buy back shares or they'll increase dividends, which is fine. You know, that's their prerogative. Again, that is still up to the board of directors. Where I have a problem with this is that CEO pay is directly tied to the market price. So again, if you're a CEO of a major corporation, a publicly traded company, you're going to do whatever it takes to maximize your stock share price and to maximize your bonus. That's human nature. That's not an indictment as a bad CEO or who's a bad CEO or that's a bad way to run a company. We're human beings. We want to do exactly what we can to maximize our returns. That's everybody. So again, it's a way that it's a way of the world now. So again, these companies are buying back shares, which are inflating their stock prices. Here's the problem. When you start doing that and the prices go down, that money's lost. It's gone. Instead of investing in infrastructure, investing in hiring, investing in innovation, they're buying back shares because it's just short-term thinking. Again, it's short-term thinking. This is the kind of short-term thinking that got us in the mess in 2008 with mortgage-backed securities and subprime mortgages, yada, yada. I'm not saying we're going to have that meltdown ever again because I don't believe we will. That was a complete disaster. That was just a financial collapse in banking. We have regulations for that that'll, that'll stop that from ever happening again, in my opinion. But again, stock buybacks are boosting this market. They'll just keep buying back shares to boost the market up. And again, number, and the second part, I'm going to call this fourth reason B. Where else are you going to park your money, guys? You're, going to, you're not going to park your money in negative, yielding, in negative yielding bonds. Again, most central banks overseas, Japan, European Union, Union uh, England, they still have relatively low rates, if not negative rates, because they still want to push growth. This has been going on, guys, since 2009. It's been 10 years. 
you would think we had a recovery globally. It's very tame. It's very, very tame. We still have a lot to go. And that's the scary part because now the balance sheet of these central banks are expanding. That's more cash and more debt that, more debt that they have. So again, they keep buying back these bonds. So if you're a bondholder, right, from five years ago and they keep lowering the rate, it's tough on you because you're going to keep those bonds. But again, you're not going to have the demand to buy the new ones. And in order to get demand for new ones, you have to raise the yield and lower the price. Bonds are very, very important. But that's the main four reasons for this market bouncing. How do you profit? You probably say, Carlos, that's great. All this macro information. I love it. What can I do to profit? Excellent question. So right now, you have to see exactly what's moving the market. What are the key players here? And there's two things I want you to look at here. I want you to look at the leading indicators. This is what I call the two indicators of this market that have pushed the market where it needs to go. If these two move forward, then you do know for a fact that the market is continuing to the upside. If they fall back, then you know for a fact they're going to pull back. So these two I want you to focus on. Number one, small caps, the Russell 2000 index. The scary thing about the Russell 2000 index, a majority of those companies are what we call zombie companies. They don't make money. They don't make money. That's scary. But again, investing is investing. You're investing in their future. It is what it is. Russell 2000, if you don't know the ticker, is IWM. IWM. The next thing is semiconductors, the SMH, semiconductor index. Again, semiconductors have led us this rally back to the all-time highs of October. It could have been the crypto deal, I understand, but autonomous vehicles, uh, these chips that go into smart, smartphones, computers, everything, crypto mining if you still do that. Again, the main three I look at, NVIDIA, AMD, Micron, those three, and the SMH. I look at those four on a daily basis. If they're going up, the market is going up with it. They have led the way. And the IWM, which is the Russell 2000 index, the small cap stocks have led the way. Now, again, you probably say to yourself, Carlos, of course, tech has led the way. They're the heaviest weight in an S&P. What else is new? I understand that. But the subsector, the subsector of the semiconductors is a great leading indicator. So, again, you could have those two, the IWM and the SMH, on your screen on a daily basis. And you could almost tell if the markets are going to be pushing up with those two guys leading the way. Very, very key. And we're also seeing a third that's moving up, big cap tech, what we call a rotation. Big cap tech has moved, energy has moved up, banks have moved up. Banks have been an actual laggard the past couple five years now. Again, we had a boost with the, with the Trump tax cuts, great. But we've actually reverted due to the yield curve, inverted yield. We have not hit an inverted yield curve, but we've been flattening. So again, the flattening of the yield curve is a difference between the yields of the two-year notes and the 10-year. The 10 years where they lend, the banks lend out money, and the two years where they borrow. If the 10 year pays less than it does the two year, why would they lend money out? They're losing money. So again, these banks are, remember, lending and credit are the lifeblood of this economy. Lifeblood, it's the key. Lending, debt, and credit. And then you have consumer spending. Those are the two cogs of this whole machine. So again, if you're not lending, the banks are not pushing, pumping liquidity out, lending, and the whole thing grinds to a halt. That's why yields are so, and bond yields are so important. Have we hit an inverted yield curve? No. We've been in yield, you have an inverted yield curve of two to fives, but not two to tens yet. We've flattened, but we have not gotten to the point where you've gotten scared. So the banks have actually jumped up. The banks I like, JPM, that's to me the strongest American bank is JPMorgan Chase, JPM. I also like Goldman Sachs, which has been beaten down off of bad headlines, but they're an investment bank. Bank of America is relatively cheap. They have the most uh, branches here in the United States. 
And I like Citigroup. Citigroup is probably the worldwide bank that you want to play. So if you like Europe, if you're thinking Europe and you want to stay away from like a Deutsche Bank, obviously, I like Citi here. Citi looks pretty good. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick JPM. But again, you could always get the XLF, which is the ETF for the financial services and banks. So that's a good way to, to play that. The next one, guys, is energy. Energy. Remember, we're now a net exporter of oil. Congratulations, United States. Fracking has helped and has brought down the price of oil. But again, the infrastructure for oil companies have gotten stronger. They're doing more with less. Congratulations to those big companies. CVX, XOM, MRO, Marathon Oil. We like those guys long term. They have strong dividend yields, strong cash flow. I like those guys. You're just going to have to strap in your seatbelts and ride the wave here. We're not going to hit $20 oil anytime soon. Oil has, man, has been very strong. I think we continue the upside. We're at about $54 a barrel oil, maybe 56 Not exactly the best thing for the Saudis, but again, for the most part, has been very, very strong. Energy, energy and banks have been rotated into big cap tech. Again, the FANG names, right? Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and of course, Apple. Apple has risen nicely from the bottoms, from around 140. I actually bought in at 140, and we're now near 170, 180 now. Actually, we're on 87 now, so good bet there, right? I love Apple. Don't trade it, just buy it and own it. But again, great company since they're moving into more a services company, not a hardware company. They're not reporting their iPhone sales anymore. So if you're an Apple shareholder, I still like the stock long term. I do think we hit $200 by the end of the year. Absolutely. I think this quarter should be great and I'm expecting better. So I like energy here. I like banks here. Obviously ride the wave. And I do like uh, big cap techs. You know, I, you know, I still love Amazon, one of our top 10 stocks. If you want to take a look at our podcast from January, good stock. So again, if you want to ride this wave, want to ride this wave, take a look at the Russell 2000, the IWM, and the SMH, which is the Semiconductor Index. Those are your leading indicators to ride this bull market. Do I think we continue? The only thing that would get in the way here is if, we don't, if the trade deal is an absolute disaster. Earnings kind of scare me. I want to see how we do in January. I want to see how the first quarter went. Again, every year, every quarter lags behind. So we had the fourth quarter. Now we're going to get the first quarter numbers. We want to see if, you know, any kind of revisions. I want to see if guidance is strong. So again, I want to see retail. I want to see how tech is doing. Are they burning cash? Are you still getting the aggressive growth that you're paying for? Again, you're paying for those premium, that multiple for mid cap tech. Sometimes these companies get expensive on a PE ratio basis. So again, you want to make sure that the growth is there, that you're actually getting the return you want. Again, stock gets expensive based price against earnings. So again, you want to make sure that they're relative to the S&P. You want to make sure the growth is there. So again, we're going to get that in April. Earnings is the key. We know the Fed is set. The Fed is not going to raise rates at all. That's almost a guarantee here. I don't see, unless we have an explosion in inflation, which I'm not going to see anytime soon as rates still fall. So we're actually getting a little slice of deflation here, which is pretty, pretty ironic. But then for the most part, again, I don't see anything getting in the way of this bull market here unless the, tr- the trade wars and trade deals an absolute disaster, nothing happens and we don't get a deal and we're just going to have tariffs for life or the Fed decides to raise rates, which won't happen, or earnings is an absolute disaster. And even now we'll find a way where we could just get that smudged up and say, hey, you know, they did better than expected. If you lower the bar low enough, anyone can jump over, am I right? So again, those, those are the keys. So very, very important to see how buybacks go. I want to see SMH, which is a semiconductor index. I want to see IWM. I want to see rotation into energy and banks. And I want to see how big cap, big cap tech 
Big cap tech, guys, is weighted about 28% of the S&P 500. Very, very crucial. It has brought us to where we are now. I mean, before in October, it'll return us back to where we were. So again, if we continue that upward trajectory, those are the names I want to look at, guys. So that's where I'm looking at the bull market. Yes, I was wrong for February. I lost some money hedging my bets by shorting the IWM and the S&P and the QQQ as a hedge. But again, my portfolio did well anyway. So again, it's insurance, just like anything else. I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong. It's time to ride this rally, guys. Thank you so much for your time. This is Carlos Garcia, founder and CEO of GAR Capital. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you have any suggestions, please feel free to email me, gaircapital at gmail.com for any show suggestions, subjects. I would love to give uh, more information to you guys, more podcast episodes. Please suggest what you want to hear, what you want to talk about. This is your show. I do this for you guys, the faithful listener. So please email me gaircapital at gmail.com, put podcast subjects on the subject line, and I will go ahead and read them, and we'll go ahead and do that. Even podcast questions, podcast questions on the subject line, I'll be more than happy to answer. gaircapital at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, everything we're there, gaircapital. And don't forget the website, gaircapitalfx.com. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Have a great rest of your week, month, And may the prophets be with you.